0: Alright, so as we, we come into the final part of our current series we've been doing, we've, we've been going through from death to life all through March, and uh, last Sunday for Easter Sunday we looked at Jesus' uh, crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, and this morning we're going we're gonna to finish that off. We're going to look at Jesus a little bit from the time after he rose from the dead, some of his interactions that he had with the disciples and individuals, as well as looking at actually uh, something Jesus foretold about to the disciples, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that's going to kind of actually bring us into our next series. The next few weeks, we're actually going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're kind of transitioning from the life of Jesus into uh, the Holy Spirit. So that gives you an idea of where we're going at this morning and in the weeks to come. And so throughout this series, we've looked at Jesus' birth and different stories from his childhood we looked at the temptations that he dealt with in in the, in the desert when he was when the devil was tempting him. We looked at some of the miracles that Jesus performed, and we talked about why he performed those miracles. Which all the miracles that Jesus performed, he did to point people towards God, right? To show glory towards who God was, and so that people would see, uh, you know, that he was the Son of God. We looked at the night in the garden and Judas and that betrayal and we looked at that whole scene and what all that looked like and then finally as i said last week we looked at his crucifixion and resurrection and so today we're going to we're going to we're going to pick up right where we left off last week right last week Mary and Mary had went to the tomb to finish preparing Jesus body for his burial and when they got there the tomb was empty right Jesus wasn't there and the, the two angels met him and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Right? He's not here, he has risen. Right? And that's what we, we celebrate when it comes to Easter Sunday, is the fact that he rose from the dead. This morning we're going to be starting in Luke chapter 24, so feel free if you'd like to turn there. Otherwise, as always, they'll be on the screen behind me as well. But we're going to pick it up in Luke 24, starting with verse 13 when Jesus interacts for the first time with a couple individuals after he rose from the dead. It says, Now that same day, two of them were were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of, an angel, of angels who said he was alive. Then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? he asked. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, right? So, so we've got this setting where, at this point, they know Jesus is raised from the dead, right? The tomb is empty, Mary and Mary have gone there, some of the other disciples have gone there, and they realize the tomb is empty, but nobody knows where Jesus is at this point, right? Nobody has seen him at this point. And all of a sudden, these two men are walking to Emmaus, a village outside of Jerusalem, and they're talking about everything that's happened, right? And it said that they were downcast, that they were, they were looking down because they were just so disappointed in everything that had happened in the last couple days with Jesus' crucifixion because they were hoping that he was going to be the one that was going to finally be the Messiah, the one that was going to redeem Israel. But it had seemed like at this point that wasn't the case anymore. So they're talking about this, and as they're going along in their conversation, Jesus appears, right? All of a sudden, Jesus comes up alongside him, and they don't realize it, right? He, he, he hides it from them that he's Jesus. They don't understand that he's him. And he just kind of allows them to keep talking. Like, what are you guys talking about? And he allows them to share about who Jesus is, or who they thought he was, and, and all the, the events that have taken place. And then he basically comes up to them and he says, but how foolish are you That it's taking you so long to believe what the prophets have said. That the Messiah would have to suffer these things before being able to enter his glory. right? And then Jesus goes back and he goes all the way back to Moses in the book of Genesis. And he starts explaining to them what all of the Old Testament teaches. What Moses taught. What what the prophets taught about the Messiah. And all that the Messiah was going to have to endure. And all the prophecies and all the promises... That were, were to be a part of the Messiah and he begins to explain this to them and unfold the story so that they can understand oh wait all those things did have to happen maybe this is the Messiah it wasn't actually until Jesus went into the house with these men and broke bread with them that he revealed himself to them right so right after that passage if you keep reading on the Jesus is going to keep going on and the two gentlemen say, no, why don't you come to our house for the night? The day is coming to a close. Come to our house. Be with us. Break bread with us and have fellowship. And so Jesus agrees. He goes to their house. And at that point when he's there with them, he reveals himself to them. And they realize at this point, they say, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us along the road? So all of a sudden they begin to realize, you know what? There was something inside of us that was burning as soon as Jesus showed up. There was something that changed when that man showed up alongside us on the road. They didn't know what it was, but now looking back, they realize, oh, that's because Jesus was in our presence, because Jesus was walking with us. And we, we, we could sense that. And so now he's disappeared from them. He, he's left their house and gone away. And he's heading toward Jerusalem now to go see the disciples. And that's where we're going to continue on. In, in, in the same chapter, if you go down to verse 36, the two men, after Jesus left their house, have now gone to find the disciples. And they said, You guys are never going to believe what happened. Jesus appeared to us, He showed up alongside us on the road, and He came to our house, and He broke bread with us. And that's where it gets interesting, starting in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, meaning the two men were were sharing with the disciples about what had happened, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. So they could understand scripture. He told them. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. On the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going uh, to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city. Until you have been clothed with power from on high. Right? So, again, we have the disciples all gathered together in this house. And these two men have come and are explaining to them their interaction that they had with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the house. Right? It it doesn't say in Scripture that a door was open. It doesn't say that someone let him into the house. All of a sudden, Jesus appeared with them in their house, together with them. And he greets them by saying, peace be with you, right? Because Jesus knew they were going to be startled. Jesus knew that that they're going to probably be a little bit scared and and maybe not sure exactly what's going on. And so he tries to help them out from the get-go. Peace be with you, he says. But they're all startled as they think they may be seeing a ghost. And I think (coughs) that if I was in that situation, if I was one of the disciples, I probably would have been a little bit startled myself too. If all of a sudden Jesus just appeared to us in the room. You know, for example, if Jesus just appeared to us this morning here physically in this room, I might be a little bit startled at first at his presence, not knowing that he was going to be. But Jesus simply says, don't be troubled. And why are you doubting that it's me? Like, why are you doubting that this is actually me in, in flesh? Look at my hands and my feet. He says, actually, you can come touch them, touch me, and feel that I have bone and flesh, as a ghost wouldn't have bone and flesh, right? There wouldn't be any physical being to something that was a ghost. Then I love what he asks him next. He says, hey, do you guys have anything to eat, right? Because he's proving another point here again. Only a physical being needs food and substance, right? You wouldn't need food and substance If you were a ghost or anything else like that. But Jesus is going, I'm hungry. Like physically, I'm hungry and my stomach is empty. And he asks them for something to eat. They give him a, a piece of fish, right? And he eats it. But then he goes on again, just as he did with the two men on the road to Emmaus. And he opens up their minds to the scripture. And he talks to them about how this is exactly what was said in Moses and throughout the prophets. And in the book of Psalms, it talked about how all these things were going to have to happen in order for the Messiah to come and fulfill his, his role. And he goes on and he says that now it's bringing about repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's going to be preached in all nations, right? Which I think we should all be grateful for today because it doesn't say that it was just going to be preached in Israel. It doesn't say that it was just going to be preached in the Middle East. It said that it's going to be preached to all nations, that all people may be able to hear the gospel message, right? So as a result of that, today, we've heard the message, right? Someone has presented the gospel to us, and many of us have presented the gospel to others, but it's to be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and then moving outward. The disciples, it goes on, Jesus says, and you guys are witnesses of this. You're a witness. You've seen all that I have taught and all that that I have showed you. He says, but at this point now, I'm going to leave you. I need you to stay here in the city gathered together until you have been clothed with power from on high. And we're going to get to that in just a moment, that phrase of what does it mean to be clothed with power from on high? But at this point, Jesus, he takes the disciples outside and he gives them one final blessing before he's going to go. Right, before Jesus ascends back up into heaven, he gives them one final blessing. Scripture says that as Jesus lifted his hands to bless the disciples, he was taken up into heaven. Right? So Jesus, he blesses the disciples, encourages them, tries to leave them on a good note, and then he goes back to the Father in heaven. And the disciples did just as Jesus asked them to. They returned to in the house in Jerusalem and and remained there together until they were clothed with power from on high. So what what does that mean? What does it mean to be clothed with power from on high? What does that phrase mean? Well, Jesus was foretelling the disciples of how God is going to send them an advocate, a helper, in the form of the Holy Spirit, to be with them once he goes back to the Father in heaven. Right? So if you'd like to, we're going to be looking now at John chapters 14, 15, and 16. So if you'd like to turn there, you can at this time. We'll start in chapter 14 and work our way from there. But this is where Jesus is teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Right? He's taking time and he's telling them, there's going to be a time when I'm going to have to leave you. I'm going to have to go. But don't worry, you're not going to be left alone. When I go, I'm going to ask the Father that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with you as an advocate, as a teacher, as a helper, as one who can empower and equip us to do the ministry, empower and equip the disciples at that point to do the ministry of the early church. And so the start of chapter 4 of of John, Jesus is comforting the disciples at this point. Because if you look at John chapter 13, Jesus had just told them, the disciples, about how he was going to be betrayed. So he had told them, he said, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And then he goes on to talk about how, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. So that, that has just happened. Jesus has just had that conversation about, about the betrayal and about the fact that Peter's going to deny him. And so I'm sure that the, the atmosphere in the room, and that, like just kind of the attitude, wasn't real positive. I'm sure, it sure it was pretty negative, and people were wondering exactly what was going on and trying to figure it all out. And so to start chapter 14, Jesus is encouraging them. He's trying to to lift them up at this point and comfort them. So we're going to pick it up now in verse 15 of chapter 14, where it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So Jesus is saying that he's going to ask the Father, right, to send the Holy Spirit to come to be with the disciples so that they won't be left alone. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm not going to leave you without an advocate or someone to lead you and to come alongside you and to help you. So he says, I'm going to ask that God would send the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth as it often refers to it throughout Scripture and throughout a couple of these passages we're going to read this morning Jesus says that as we love him that we will keep his commandments that will be one way that that God and Jesus and others will know that we love him is by keeping his commands so we keep his commands that comes out of our love for him and maybe a passage and a part in here that can be a little bit confusing is Jesus he, he's going on he's telling him he says, You know what? There's going to be people in this world that aren't going to recognize the Holy Spirit. There's going to be people that don't recognize Him because they can't see Him, nor do they know Him. But we know the Holy Spirit, for He lives in us. Right? And and that's where, you know, when we ask Jesus into our heart, when we surrender our heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells inside of us. He comes and and He lives inside of us. And then Jesus goes on to say that even though I may not be present on the earth for much longer, you will still see me. Because as I I am alive, you are alive through me. So as another result of our relationship with God, we will see Jesus. We will see him through our daily interaction, through our relationship with God. As I said, one way that we show our love for God is by keeping our commands to him. And as a result, it says that we will be loved by God, the Father. We're going to pick it up a few verses further in this passage, starting with verse 24 or 25, where it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus speaking here. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Right, so Jesus is telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit will be sent again by God. Jesus is going to ask him to send him. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things, He's going to teach us and remind us of what Jesus had taught. Right? So this is Jesus, again, comforting the disciples, going, everything that I've taught you, everything that you've seen in your time with me, I, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of that. The Holy Spirit is going to continue to bring that to the forefront. going to remind you of everything that I taught you. Jesus then goes on to tell that we don't need to be scared or troubled, because one day he will come back. He says, right? he says I'm going now, but I will return to you. Right, And that's where we rejoice in knowing yes, Jesus has gone away for now, but he's going to return to gather us back together with him again one day, and we're going to rejoice in heaven with all those who have gone on before us. So we don't need to be troubled, for he's going to come back. And he also says, my peace I leave with you, right? Have peace, I I leave my peace with you through the working of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we should also rejoice in him going back to the Father, as the Father is greater than he is. Right? So Jesus is saying, you guys, you guys might think that, that what you've experienced with me has been great, but God is even greater than I am. And the things that are going to come through the Holy Spirit are going to be wonderful. They're going to be great. So not only will the Holy Spirit come as a helper, an advocate, a teacher, one who brings peace, Holy Spirit's going to come as an equipper, an enabler, one who empowers, one who gives gifts. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come, the gifts of the Spirit and and the working of the Spirit and how that applies to us today in our culture and our setting and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives and should be playing in our lives and in our church as a body, as a community. But also it says the Holy Spirit comes to testify about who Jesus is. It says the Holy Spirit will come to testify of who Jesus is. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later of how that applies to us. What does that mean to us if the Holy Spirit testifies of who Jesus is? What does that mean for us? We're going to pick it up in John 15 at verse 26. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also, you also must testify For you have been with me from the beginning. Right? So again, this is Jesus going on to reassure the disciples more that the Holy Spirit is going to come to testify to who he is. He's already told them that, but he's reassuring them, telling them again. He's repeating these things over and over again, hoping that the disciples are really going to grab it, that it's going to sink in, that they're going to grasp it, and it's going to make sense. But Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just say the Holy Spirit is going to be a witness of who Jesus is. He goes on to say that as disciples, that you are going to be a witness of who I am. For you've been with me from the beginning. You've seen and heard all the teachings I've shared with you, all that I've been able to share about who I am, about who God is, and about the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And so you will, be a test, you will testify on my behalf as well. So as I said, how does that apply to us today then? Right? It, it, Jesus is telling the, Holy, or the, the disciples that they are to be a witness to testify of who Jesus is. How does that apply to us? Well, we might sit here this morning and go, you know what? We're not the, we're not the 11 disciples at that point that, that Jesus was speaking to. But I believe that as believers, as one who followed Christ, we are to constantly come alongside the Holy Spirit and testify to who God is now right it's our job now today as followers of christ to pick up where the disciples left off, to testify to who jesus is to share with the world who jesus is what he's done for us what he's doing for us as he sits on the right hand of the father and he intercedes on our behalf for us so maybe you're wondering why jesus had to leave and go back into heaven to the right hand of the father well, if we look in John chapter 16, one chapter later, sort at verse 7 and answers that exact question. It says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin? Because people do not believe in me. About Righteousness? because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Continuing on, it says, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Right? So maybe that, that passage is a little bit confusing. because It's talking about he will do this because of me, because I've said this. And it can be a little bit confusing. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. But Jesus simply says that in order for the Holy Spirit to come, for God to send the Holy Spirit first, He must return back to heaven. And He says, actually, I'm doing this for your good. I'm doing this for your good so that the Holy Spirit can come and continue to work in your lives. For He must go, the Holy Spirit can come. When the Holy Spirit comes, it says that He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will come in and will convict the world. It will help us, the world, to understand what sin is, righteousness, and judgment. For many have had a hard time understanding what sin is, it says, because they don't believe in Jesus. So if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, why would they believe that they're sinning? Why would they believe they're separating themselves from God if they don't even believe in who Jesus is in the first place? But the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit draws us onto God. The Holy Spirit uh, brings us to God and helps us to see sin in our lives, helps us to understand who Jesus is. It said that others had a hard time with righteousness because Jesus was no longer here on earth. Right? It says that they had a hard time. Well, if I can't see him and, and Jesus isn't here on earth and walking with us anymore, you know, it, they had a hard time with righteousness. They had a hard time believing that God, that Jesus was who he said he was as the Son of God. And it said, while well, others still had a tough time with judgment because now the prince of the world had been condemned and found guilty. Right? So they're going, well, if he was found guilty and condemned of these things, what what kind of judge is he? Who, who is he to judge us? For he's been condemned himself. But Jesus goes on to reassure the disciples that the Holy Spirit will guide them to understand all truth. Right? So that's that's one of the things that I love about the Holy Spirit is, you know, we have those times where we don't know what to do, you know, or we just feel like we're, we're stuck with a question or a situation and we're going, I have no idea what to do. We pray and we ask the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, truth of knowing what to do in that situation, knowing what decision to make. Because there's times where, where we just sit here and we go, I can try my hardest, but I can't come up with an answer. I, I don't know... What to do in the situation, but the Holy Spirit can give us truth. It also said that the Holy Spirit will help us to know things that are yet to come, still. The Holy Spirit will tell us about things that are to come in the days ahead. That's part of imparting the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding to us. But then it goes on to say the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own understanding, but only what he hears from the Father while also telling you of things that are yet to come. right? So it says that the Father will speak through the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit is not speaking on his own understanding and own knowledge, but only that which the Holy Spirit has been told through the Father. So we've read these passages this morning, where Jesus is talking to the disciples about the forecoming or the foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit. But as I said earlier, how does that apply to us today? What does that mean to us today? You know, we're not the disciples. We're not there in the early church. So how does it apply to us? As I said earlier, in fact, I would venture to say that who are the disciples today? We are. As followers of Christ, we pick up that role of being the disciples, of being the witnesses of who Jesus is the Holy Spirit was sent to come alongside us, to help us, to be an advocate, to be a teacher, to be a helper, to be an encourager, to share truth to us, so that we would not be left alone to face the things of this world by ourselves. Right? We wouldn't have to face the challenges that this world presents. We wouldn't have to try to navigate through life on our own, but rather we would have the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us and direct us in those different ways. The Holy Spirit comes as a witness to share of what Jesus has done for us, as for everybody that's lived, right? For Holy Spirit comes to share what Jesus has done. And as the Holy Spirit bears witness to the story of Jesus, you and I are called to bear witness to the story of Jesus. So today, what is our job? Our job is to be a witness of Jesus, to testify on behalf of Jesus, to share the love of Jesus with others that we encounter, that we come into contact with. Kennedy, Rachel, you can come back up at this point. But over the next few weeks, as I said, we're going to dive deeper into the Holy Spirit. We're going to discuss the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how those apply to us today, how those work and function inside the church in our world today. We're also going to look at at different aspects of the Holy Spirit and how He empowers and equips and enables us to do many different things. I know even though we're we're a Pentecostal church, we're part of the Assemblies of God Denomination, and we're we're a spirit-empowered church, I know many times, many of us can still be confused about the Holy Spirit. We can be confused about the giftings of the Holy Spirit and and how that works and functions. And I'm hoping over these next few weeks, we can work through that and work through maybe the confusion that we have or the questions that we may have about the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that as, as we can get in tune with the Spirit, in tune with what God is wanting us to do, I believe that the potential of this church is unlimited. As we can unite and get unified with the Holy Spirit for what God is wanting to do. I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, maybe to take some time to read through Acts. Read through Romans. Read through the book of Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians. As as a lot of the Holy Spirit is discussed in those couple books, I want to encourage you, the more that we can learn, the more knowledge we can come in with, the better discussion we can have, the better conversations we can have, the better questions you can ask and we can answer together. So that's the direction we're going, that's the direction we're heading, Is looking at the Holy Spirit over these next few weeks. We thank you, Lord. your presence. Father, we thank you that where two or three are gathered, there you are also. God, we thank you for those who came forth for prayer this morning. God, we you. believe, God, that you are going to respond to those prayers. God, we know that you hear those prayers. God, we know that in your perfect timing, according to your perfect will, God, that you will respond to them. But God, I would pray as pray as, as they wait, God, for your response as they wait to see move in their situations. God, I pray you give them strength and you give them peace and joy. And you give them endurance and perseverance, God. Father, for some of these prayers they may have been praying for years and years and a long time. God, I pray that they would not become discouraged. That they would not quit praying. That they would not quit calling out to you. And believe God that you're moving in their situations. God, I pray this morning that as we look to your word, God, that it would just sink deep into our heart. God, that we would continue to to ponder on your word, ponder upon the truth of it. God, and to know exactly what it is that you want from us today to be a witness, to testify of who you are. Seek the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in and through our lives. As our teacher, our advocate, our helper, one who brings peace. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that we're not alone. That you didn't leave us as orphans. Jesus, we just, we need you. We desperately need you. Father, we thank you that you're always there. And no matter where we may wander, no matter where we may go, you are there with us. The second we turn, you're there. Father, I pray now as we go out, God, you would use us in mighty and powerful ones. Father, I pray for divine appointments. God, that as we go throughout our days, God, as we interact with people, God, you would bring us along the path with others, God, who are ready to hear and receive God, that he would give us the boldness and the words to say through the Holy Spirit. God, for those conversations, to you know exactly what to do, give us your discernment, Lord, we pray. Father, I pray you keep us safe now as we go. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.